Hello all. So glad to be with you here today and studying this great book of Acts. This week, we are going to be covering mainly chapters 16 through 19. As last week, we did such a beautiful job covering chapter 15. So here we are, and we are seeing people coming to Christ over and over, and their lives are being changed. Who they identify with and who they identify as changes. They're identified as with Jesus. Do we see that change in our lives? I hope so. It reminded me as I was studying for this particular teaching that this book of Acts seems to be like a mirror that's held up. And I'm checking and saying, Is, am I reflecting what's in this book? There's a lot of challenging questions that kind of go with that as, we'll, as you will be seeing. Because here's the truth, ladies, as I come before you, the Lord has been teaching me and bringing things to my attention. And so I'm just passing that on to you. So we're just learning together as we check into the mirror of Acts and see how our life is being, is it being reflected like Acts is. We are seeing people being changed. We are seeing people boldly proclaiming the gospel, seeing people trusting in Jesus, suffering, praying fervently, fasting, pursuing God and the things of God more, holding fast to the hope of Christ and wanting to bring the gospel to others. We will see through, as we have seen through the whole book of Acts, but now in these chapters, we are also seeing the churches planted, growing, and discipled. We are seeing Gentiles hearing the gospel and believing. And we are seeing the relentless witness that continues on despite trials or tribulations or whatever is coming. And so we, we get a, just a really up close and personal view of those things. And in regard to Paul, we get to see his passion, his unrelenting passion in his mission for the spread of the gospel and the furthering of God's kingdom, as well as discipling and grounding and building up the believers and the new churches in the word and the truth. Just thinking of his unrelenting mission and how he just stays on course through his first journey, missionary journey, and his second and his third, it made me think, now I may be dating myself a bit here, but I hope you all have seen the movie of Rocky. And this guy, I mean, I saw it when I was young, I don't know, middle school maybe, something like that. And his mission was, he was just a, 
uh, was to go the distance in a heavyweight champion fight with champion. And he was just a guy that they just pulled up out of a small little boxing ring. But he was determined to go the distance. He didn't think he'd win, but he just wanted to be standing at the end when that last bell was rung. And so he trained and trained, and we had some great music of dun 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 dun, and running up the steps, and he kept at it, drinking raw eggs, and he would just buffet his body, unrelenting, and then came the fight. And he's up against this champion, and he's being beaten down, and hit and by the end his face you can't even recognize him but he keeps falling down but he keeps getting up because he he wants to stay to that last bell and to his girlfriend remember Adrian for those of you who saw the movie he told her I just don't want to be a bum if I can make it to the end I won't be a bum. And that drove him to unrelenting, to keep getting up and keep taking those blows until, spoiler alert, the final bell rang and he was still standing. And that made me think of Paul. He was unrelenting. He was beaten. He was stoned. He was ridiculed. He was put in jail. He was shipwrecked, beaten again. So many things, but he kept going because his passion for the mission to spread the gospel and to ground the churches in truth, he just couldn't stop. He had to keep going. And here through these chapters, we will also see different reactions to the gospel. Jealousy, anger, hatred, joy, pierced hearts, questions of what must I do to be saved. The apostles and Paul were ready to give an account for the hope that was in them. This is in 1 Peter 3. 13, well, we'll do 14 to 15. But even if you should suffer for the sake of righteousness, you are blessed. And do not fear their intimidation and do not be troubled, but sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts, always being ready to make a defense to everyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that is in you with gentleness and reverence. And we're going to see over and over again how Paul and Silas and the apostles were ready to give an account for the hope that was in them. We'll see it with Lydia and the jailer and in Athens. And we are going to see these same themes of the church being planted and growing and discipled, of Gentiles hearing the gospel and believing, and of the relentless witness of Paul. We're seeing that happen. And here he is on his second journey. Do you know that Paul traveled with his first, second, and third journeys combined? Approximately 10,000 miles between the three of them. Planting churches, returning to encourage and establish a firm foundation for the churches and to encourage the brethren. 
and something that I think is, I just wanted to, to give you a little glimpse because we're gonna stop here, our first little church, uh, um, we're gonna see him in Europe is Philippi. And I just, later on, when Paul was in prison in Rome, he wrote to Philippi, to the church there. And I just wanted you to hear his love, his great love and his passion and care for these children in the Lord, his family of faith. So in Philippians 1, 3 to 5, he says, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always offering prayer with joy in my every prayer for you all. A little further down, he says, for it is only right for me to feel this way about you all because I have you in my heart. And still further, he says, my God is my witness, how I long for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. Do you hear his love for the church? Ladies, it's just a glimpse. We get a glimpse into his heart and what moves him on into his mission to continue on. And maybe in another study or in your own personal study, I pray that as you read these letters from Paul to the church, that you will be able to see the depth of love and passion he had for the disciples. And I pray that you and I will be encouraged and challenged to live with this same vision for those the Lord puts in front of you or on your path, or maybe even takes you away from here to go to them. So on his second journey, the second journey was about 3,050 miles-ish, and it took about 100 days. Now that's not counting the time that he stayed in the places. This is just the travel time. And so we see the map of his second journey and the places we went. And we have that in our study as well. But so picture, this one was 3,050 miles about. That's all the way across the United States. He was willing to travel, yes, by boat, but often by land. That's a long way to go. But he was committed. And so when he first went, and we found out in the scripture, right, that he, had, that he had meant to go to Asia, but he was not going to go to Asia. The Lord didn't let him go there. And so he, he went around. He went around here, and he ends up in Philippi, right there. And here he meets Lydia. Here he meets Lydia, a worshiper of God, was listening and the Lord opened her heart to respond to the things that Paul had spoken. And we learn about Lydia because normally, remember, if you'll recall, Paul, when he went into a city, he would go to the synagogue and start there. Well, there was no synagogue in Philippi. So it would um, be, they would need a quorum of, Jew, of Jewish men to be able to have a synagogue. So apparently there weren't enough to do that. But there would be places of prayer. And often those were by the river. 
And so when Paul, it says, went to look for a place to prayer, to pray, he found women there, a gathering of women. And so he told them about Jesus. And Lydia was a worshiper of God. She was a worshiper of God. And the Lord opened her heart to receive what Paul had said about Jesus Christ. He was prepared to give an account for the hope that was in him. And Lydia, we find out that she was a seller of purple cloth, right? She had her own business. She dealt with wealthy people because that was an expensive cloth. And here she was, a Gentile seeking the Hebrew God. Her heart was open to the Lord. And I think it's so interesting as I was studying about Lydia that she was here the first convert in Europe. And she has her own home and her own business. And I was, as I was studying about her, I read this quote from a commentary that I was reading. And it said, though she had a calling, which was her business, Yet she was a worshiper of God and found the time to improve advantages for her soul. What, what words, what a beautiful way to put that. She found time to improve advantages for her soul by going to a place of prayer, by worshiping God, and now by being open. And I thought, Lord, do I take the time to improve advantages for my soul? And this made me think of when our children were small or young, I should say middle school, high school, and there were events going on at church here and there, and I would encourage them to go. And sometimes they didn't want to, but I would let them know that it was our responsibility, Kevin and I, to put them on the pathway to meet Jesus. What they did with that, that was between them and the Lord. We didn't have control over their relationship with the Lord. But while they were in our home, we, we looked for opportunities to put them on the pathway to meet Jesus. And I thought about this for Lydia. She took, found the time to improve advantages for her soul. Because, he said, for have we not also a God to serve and a soul to look after? We do. We do, ladies. What a truth there. And then we go over and we see also another, we see maybe an, um, what would you might say, maybe an unsuspecting convert, someone we might not anticipate to be converted, and that's the jailer, right? And we see how the Lord uses miraculously his own power to bring the jailer to faith. There were a couple verses here that I wanted to read about that. Because first, right, the jailer was in charge of Paul and Silas. He put them in jail and he even put them in the shackles. He put them in the lowest dungeon. He was their master. And after this earthquake and after Paul and Silas say, they stayed. They stayed. They didn't leave. They didn't want his life to be taken. 
and now it flips and he comes to them, right? And he falls at their feet and he says, sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved, you and your household. Verse 32 says, and they spoke the word of the Lord to him together with all who were in his house. Ladies, they were ready to give an account for the hope that was in them. And not only that, they told him, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. But then they continued to speak the word of the Lord to give him the context of what that meant and who Christ is and the saving grace that he brought for them. And then we see in verse 34, he brought them to his house and set food before them and rejoiced greatly, having believed in God with his whole household. He was just rejoicing and rejoicing. And it made me think, how much rejoicing are we doing? And I had a couple questions for myself and for you. Does our own, does your own salvation bring joy to your heart and soul? Does the salvation of others bring joy to your soul? All through Acts we see rejoicing in prison, hearing the word, having the people rejoicing because the word being brought to them, believers rejoicing over the salvation of others. And as the book is held up again as a mirror, I think, am I reflecting this joy in my life? Now, the enemy would like us to feel guilty or defeated or maybe ashamed even if we say no. But friends, God's word is sharper than any two-edged sword and it goes into the very depth between the marrow and the joint. That's just the very innermost part. And through his word, he wants to go in there that we may see the things that keep us from being more like Christ. And so I encourage you, friends, don't be discouraged as the Lord brings things to the surface. Let us thank him for bringing things to our attention because we want to please him. And the more things are brought to our attention, the more we can change and become more like Christ. Ladies, the Holy Spirit of God is working in us. Let us rejoice over that truth and ask him to turn our hearts more toward Christ and toward living for him. Another area that we see was as Paul moved into Thessalonica, he certainly went as was his custom, right? As we established to the synagogue. To do what? He went there to reason with them from the scriptures, explaining and giving evidence that Christ had to suffer and rise again from the dead, saying, this Jesus whom I proclaim is the Christ. This got my attention too, because I thought, 
Is it my custom to talk about Christ? Is it my custom to reason? I told you, the Lord's bringing a lot to my attention and teaching me. And so I'm bringing to you what he's given me and we'll learn together and become more like him together. He's teaching me, ladies, you know why I think these scriptures are just coming alive? It's because the days are uncertain. They are frightening and they are chaotic. But God is not those things. He has told us and instructed us not to fear. He is with us. He will never leave us. He loves us so. I just find such an urgency for us as women here in this study, to who, women who follow Christ, to dig down deep in his word and to grow our roots in the truth of his word. Ladies, let us stand on solid ground, the solid ground of Jesus and his promises. Yes, it's true. The world keeps throwing doubts and fears our way. But we are not without hope or power or faith because we have Jesus. We have the power of the Spirit living in us. Let us gird ourselves up, fellow believers. Let us come alongside each other Let us sing praises to our great God together. And when we are alone, let us speak praises to our own soul and hearts. Pray for boldness and surety in your salvation, in your future that has been sealed for you with the Holy Spirit, having come to receive Christ having responded to the gospel yourself. Ladies, God provided Jesus. He's the, he gave his life. He is the sacrifice. He died the death that we should have. And yet he lives. He is risen, sitting at the right hand of the Father. And do you know what he's doing there? He is interceding for you and for me. I often think, How is it that I gained so much, everything really, simply by laying down my life for him? I am the one who gains. I don't have an answer, but I know it is true. How can I not praise and rejoice over my salvation and all that encompasses? And how can I not tell others the good news? that they too can be free and forgiven. In chapter 17, verse 6, the brethren, the, the people who were angry at Paul and Silas and for those who were speaking the word and who were turning the people toward Christ, they were so mad and jealous. And they said this about them. These men who have upset the world have come here also. 
Some versions say, these men who have turned the world upside down. Let's be those women who turn the world upside down by living for Christ and telling others about the freedom that is in him. We need to go to what we know to be true in God's word. Go to what we know to be true about God. That's how we rest in this chaotic world. Do you know, I was listening to the radio and there's a Bible league and they give out Bibles um, in different languages all over the world. And they, are, they have an office in Ukraine and they have been, the people of Ukraine, you know, the refugees, they are fleeing and they need food and water and everything. And they are asking for Bibles. They are asking for the word of God. God, my friends, his truth, it has a, it has a firming effect has a profound calmer to our soul to know that he is sovereign, that we are not alone, that he sees. That's his word. And ladies, we want to be going to this word just like the Bereans. Remember how we studied about the Bereans and how they would go to the scriptures after listening to Paul. They were so excited, but they would still go to the scripture to find out if what he was saying was true. Making sure that it was the whole truth and nothing but the truth, not a nice spin on God's word. We have to be careful who we're listening to and who we're reading. If you're not sure, if you're not sure about an author or a speaker, ask a friend. Put it through the grid of scripture. We want to be sifting everything through the grid. This picture, ladies, of that grid just gives us a visual of how there it is. And whatever comes through the, to the, from the world, we sift it through the grid of God's word to make sure that we are standing firmly on his truth. For the same reason that Paul, as he went to Athens and he was speaking to the people there and it says his spirit was uneasy or it was provoked some, some versions say. He saw their false and hopeless worship of useless deities. And he intellectually and boldly spoke of God from the beginning, the creator. And as we've seen through all the books of Acts, right? Some sneered, some mocked, some listened and were intrigued, and some believed and followed him. As Paul was on his journey, the Lord would bring believers alongside 
to serve, to experience the depth of sorrow for the loss, to suffer, to have joys and triumphs. And we saw Priscilla and Aquila. This is his family of faith, encouraging and reminding each other of the mission and keeping each other on the pathway of holiness and truth, ministering to each other and praising God together. And then we saw as Paul starts his third missionary journey. And this missionary journey was about 3,307 miles approximately and took 92 days to go. And we learn about Apollo here, don't we? Who loved God and the word. And how beautifully we saw Priscilla and Aquila come alongside because if we hear something that doesn't quite line up with scripture, or if something is being added or taken away, we wanna come alongside with humility and grace, but bring truth. Because as we learn, and let's pray that we are open to hear, because as we learn, we better communicate the love of God to others. Now on Paul's third journey, he's back in Ephesus. And here he is, and he is relentlessly and boldly teaching and reasoning and persuading. And even when the people of the synagogue are against him and throw him out, he still finds a way because he gets up again, because he's got the vision and the mission in front of him. And he stays for two years in Ephesus discipling and grounding the church in the truth. And remember how in his second journey, he, he didn't go to Asia. But now we find out in verse 10 of chapter 19 that all who lived in Asia heard the word of the Lord, both Jews and Greeks. Wow! All that the... that that maybe he would have saw it happening a different way, even from the split from um, Barnabas and John Mark, and th they just went different directions and covered different areas. But the Lord knew, of course he did. And they all, all of Asia heard, those who turn the world upside down will go against culture, but they are free. Let us keep our salvation in front of us that we may be joyful in it and turn from anything that takes us back to bondage. Our author said, faithfulness is small acts of obedience. In chapter 19, verse 17. Now remember, um, the incident happened, which we studied in our, in our study this week with the demon um, jumping on that man who was trying to heal in Jesus' name. And people were afraid, right? And it said that all this became known to all both Jews and Greeks who lived in Ephesus and fear fell on them and all the name of the Lord Jesus was being magnified. So the word of the Lord in verse 20 was growing mightily and prevailing. People were coming and confessing and disclosing they were free. 
They were burning their idols and anything. They were free to the dismay of others. But who cares? Ladies, let's passionately give our all to the one true God, Jesus Christ. In verse 20, it tells us, so that the word of the Lord was growing mightily and prevailing. Ladies, there is power in the name of Jesus. There is power that the Lord's word goes forth and prevails. Cling on to him with all that you have. Keep the vision for living in him and for him in front of you. Be relentless in your love for him and in telling others about the Lord. May the word of the Lord grow mightily and prevail in this place, in our hearts and souls. And may we be filled with the joy of our own salvation. And I pray that it spills over to those we meet, whoever they may be, to the glory and honor of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.